Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. And welcome to the 310th episode here at Growing the Game with Ballsy. I am your host, Michael Ball. And thanks to Advantage Collision, Saskatoon and PA, your SGI Elite accredited auto body repair shop for getting on board with this podcast as a title sponsor. They're locally owned and a certified Collision Care OEM approved shop. They provide comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best in-class collision repair shops. They manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of. Choose Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA because they care about your safety. Ben Garrow over there runs a great ship in Saskatoon and PA. Of course, he's a big Rough Rider fan and a big supporter of football in this province. Our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics. Hold off father time in a naturally looking way. Book at facefirstmedicalaesthetics.janap.com above Gabos on Dudney Avenue in Regina. Last weekend, the Regina Thunder finally down the Saskatoon Hilltops, who had won an impressive 39 straight regular season games. We're joined now by the head coach, Scott McCauley, who tells us that the rivalry is heating up. You guys beat the Hilltops. How does that feel? Feels pretty darn good. I know that uh, the team, the organization, everyone's uh, quite excited, and especially after, you know, 18 months off and putting all the time and effort that everyone's done, even the board of directors, with raising money just to keep the lights on and the players are in their off-season workouts with level 10 and good Zoom WebEx workouts. And everything was nice to put the, the full deal together and, and come out with a victory. Tell us about the game. It was 16-13. Before we get to how it ended, just tell us about the game, real slugfest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you got a bunch of some prairie boys battling it out on the field. It's going to be intense and super aggressive, but... Uh, you know, like it kind of started off like our first two series in offense. Our guys were really moving the ball. I thought our offensive line uh, really controlled the line of scrimmage quite well and were able to sustain the blocks. And, you know, the running backs were able to find some holes. So it was good to see that we could get a running game going. Um, but after the first two series, you know, the team started to settle in. And, and uh, then it came in like a really defensive battle on both sides. You know, like, um, you know, Southampton actually didn't score any points, I believe, in the second half there, which, you know, normally the second half they able to – Made some pretty good adjustments uh, versus us, but I thought our defense coaches did a good job. You know, during our time, they're making some real fine adjustments to make sure that we put our players in the best possible situation to make plays. And and to be honest, like our offense might be the best wind zone offense uh, in the history of junior football. Like we're good at being backed up on the field and marching the ball. So they plus pass the plus forty five to their side of the field. We haven't been able to finish off any drives. So that's going to be a big time focus this week is making sure that. You know, we might be a good win zone offense, but it's time to score some points as well. But uh, we were able to <clears throat> move the ball and, you know, at least give our defense a long field to work with. And eventually, uh, you know, the defense was able to turn the ball, get the ball back to, to our offense. And they had about, you know, let's say 20, 30 yards to go before we got into field goal territory. And then we just put uh, put the ball to Eric Axmeck and relied on him and on Stamper and Nathan Sauer and all their uh, – Brandon Janata to, to get the job done. Yeah, I tell you what, that was a 51-yarder. I saw the video. That looked like it could have been close to a 60-yard field goal. <laughs> he, he, he's a special special kid. Like he's been working hard and honing his craft here for the last couple of years. And you know now you got uh, Dave Jackson, who's been in the CFL for the last seven eight years. 
uh, working on with special teams and stuff now, working with him directly. Like, he's really excelled. And, you know, one of the, the crazy things is, is that, uh, you know, during practice, Dave has done a great job of, like, having Eric kick from different spots in the field. It's not just the right hash, the left hash, and say 20 yards out. Um, it might be on the left pole, the right pole. It might be a kick there 45 yards or six yards, whatever it is. And we actually did that kick, that exact kick, you know, from, uh, I think it was the right hash, 44-yard line, uh, in practice last week, and he nailed it there as well. So, well, it's going to be an exact same situation, and the ball's actually on the 45 and a second down, and Stefan asked me, like, what do you want to do? And I just remember talking to Craig Dickinson. He always said, like, you know what, Scott, like, every yard or every inch that I could be closer to the field goal post and more aligned to the mill, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, I really wanted that as a kicker. So, since they're in the ball, we were at the 45, that would be kind of the max spot that we felt comfortable with. We decided to run it, and uh, actually, we got into our backfield. I thought we were going to be backed up even further, but uh, um, Justin Rieger was able to, to, to break some tackles and get the ball up to the 44, so we're able to move it up one more yard. Yeah, there you go, and it, it appeared to work. as Well, it did work. Not appeared to work. It did work as you guys go on to victory 16-13, and what does that victory mean for your team? Like, you can tell players, hey, we're almost there. Hey, guys, if we do this, we're going to win, but when you actually do it, it really – it really pounds the point home. Like, until you do it, it's just a bunch of talk. Yeah, until we do it again, it's still a bunch of talk. You know, we've been in the Saskatoon Hilltops in Saskatoon. Now we need to do it home in front of our family and friends. And then the other thing, too, is like, you know, it's a two-game series, and you got to look at that point scoring again. So, like, we're up 3 nothing. Not really yeah. that big of a deal, right? So, I mean, we won the game by two points. You know, two-game series, you got to look at point scoring against, and we're up 3 nothing. So now we need to prepare... Um, to fine-tune things and, and get things rocking and rolling here again. We know that Tom Sargent's going to be putting a pretty good game plan forward, uh, moving forward here against us in, in, in Regina, and we're looking forward to see uh, what they come up with. Any animosity between the two teams uh, following? Finally, they lose a game at home. I can't imagine they like to lose. So, uh, any, do we have a? Do we have like uh, you know those back-to-back games? They always say they can be chippier. Might we see a real physical, chippy, slobber knocker type of game here at uh, Mosaic Stadium this coming weekend? One hundred percent. You know, Sergeant's going to get those guys fired up, and especially the guys on his line and stuff. He's going to get them rocking and rolling. Um, so it definitely would be a physical battle, but you know, like when it comes to tipping, I'd say like it was more the the Hilltop alumni that was a little bit more sore than 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 their team. It was interesting to see that kind of happen. But you know, Tom Sargent and I think are both coaching staffs. Like I think we have a lot of respect for each other. Um, but it was maybe more the uh, the alumni a little bit more. Sour, I saw, I heard that I heard that they were sour after the they were sour after the game, especially at your president Mirad El Khatib. But I understand uh, the the. Uh, Hilltop's president, their head coach, uh, they were uh, very supportive of you guys sending an apology and everything like that. But it's just, I guess, boys will be boys in a heated battle. Absolutely, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Hopefully our alumni is going to be out as well. and People take things personally, and that's great. It's good for the rivalry. You know, I think back in the day when the, you know, back, I'd say in past games when we've, you know, just barely lost or whatever it is, they probably walk us out and say, hey, boys, have a safe ride home, you know? Yeah. And then now the fact that we beat them and they're sour on the way out, maybe they're a little bit scared right now. Who knows? But we'll see what happens. I just know that we're going to focus on us, and we're excited to get going again. And, and hopefully their alumni comes down and buys tickets uh, for this game and, and cheers on their team as well. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for this. Congratulations on the win. Best of luck here on the back-to-back as you go for a sweep. You betcha. Thanks a lot.
After further review, it looks like the receiver didn't catch the ball, but he tried really, really, really super duper hard to catch it. So we're calling it complete and giving him a participation trophy. Time now for the second quarter of Growing the Game with Ballsy, brought to you by Paul Waldo over at Royal LePage in Regina. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champion, 306-502-5355. Time now to catch up with a guest to talk some Saskatoon football from the high school level right through junior to the university ranks. With the uh, receivers and quarterbacks coach for the St. Joe's Guardians, that would be my buddy, my radio colleague, Clayton Croker from Stacy and Clayton, and that is on 96.3 Cruise FM in Saskatoon. How are you, Croak? Always good when I'm talking to you, buddy. <laughs> That's great. Hey, so high school football, man, how many years for you now coaching? This will be my third year at Joe's, fifth year in total. When I got my uh, start in Yorkton, I was uh, coaching Sacred Heart for a while, teaching the quarterbacks over there. So uh, shout out Yorkton Heart or Yorkton Sacred Heart. Okay, man. What they got good football in Yorkton, don't they? Oh, they do, man. The Gritters, man. The Gritters are turning things around. That uh, that program with Robbie Sharp there, it's good. It seems like a real like they play like a bunch of pricks out there, like mean farm kids, don't they? Wow, that's what Yorkton's full of, man. Just a bunch of farm prick kids. That's what, that's what Yorkton's all about. What makes you a good football coach? Uh, telling kids to do the opposite of what I did when I played. Uh, <laughs> that's basically it. Uh, when I was in high school, man, I was one of those, man, I got a good arm. I can read a defense. I'm cocky. I can do this. One bad play, I'm pouting. One coach yelling at me, I'm pouting. I'm, I'm ripping off the chin straps, right? I look back on that and I'm like, well, what a missed opportunity. I could have been a good player. I could have, I could have played more than just out in Chilliwack. Then, you know, I could have done more. So I want to teach these young kids, hey, don't have this cocky, stupid attitude like I had back in the day. Learn from my mistakes and, and be a good football player after high school. Do the St. Joe's Guardians throw the ball more than when you played high school football? Well, when I was in high school, I was lucky to have, like, John Trumpy, Mitch Hillis, all these, oh, all these wow. future Saskatoon Husky Hilltop guys, Steve Barisky. I had three post-secondary receivers in high school. I'd close my eyes and throw them the ball, and chances are it'd be complete. So we, we, we threw the ball quite a bit back in my day, but uh, this Joe's offense, man, we've got, we've got some studs. Aaron somacall has been a starter since grade nine. He's a freak. Got this kid named Murphy. Oh, man. Uh, watch out for our passing attack. Two grade 12 quarterbacks, both are going to play. It's uh, it's going to be fun for our offense this year. Yeah, so is that uh, kind of the strength of the team, throwing the football, you'd say? And what's the old line like? Because you can have a great quarterback or two great quarterbacks and some great receivers, but if you have you don't have that line plays we see in a lot of football, it's like having a nice Ferrari on the driveway, but the guy doesn't know how to drive a standard. Exactly. Uh, our O-line, we've lost a couple guys, lost a coach or two, but the thing about the O-line is... You know, it always finds a way, right? In Saskatchewan, there's always a bunch of big boys that want to play football that have never played before. So the guys are recruiting in the hallways, getting some big boys out there. And uh, I think the, the run game in the past has definitely been Joe's specialty because, you know, we've had Caden Miller, who's uh, playing for the Huskies this year. Yeah. We've had him for the past three years, Team Canada running back, complete freak. Uh, Sam Marshall, too, is our fullback. I believe he played for the for the Hilltops before going to uh, lacrosse in the state. So uh, this year is going to be a passing year, though. And even though we had Trey Reeder, who's the Hilltops third-string quarterback this year, who I think should get some more playing, to- or playing time when they take on Regina. But uh, even though we've had good quarterbacks, it's always been a run-first team. Uh, this year it's going to be a pass-first team, I think. What's the league look like this year? 
Uh, well, cross is cross, right? Yeah. You know, uh, Holy Cross and Scott Hunseth, Darren West, they're always going to have some guys on there. They always tell us before the season, oh, you guys got us this year. You got, they sandbag us every year, man. They tell us that they're so bad, and every year they're loaded. Uh, so they're going to be good this year. Uh, Aiden Bowman always you – know, they're always just so feisty to play against, right? Pesky Aiden Bowman and uh, – some really, really good things about Bethlehem High School, man. They just keep reloading with talent as well. What do you think of the overall health of football in northern Saskatchewan? Let's just concentrate on that Saskatoon and surrounding area. Well, I'm a little biased. I think Saskatoon football is better than Regina football, but, I mean, you and I could argue about that for 48 minutes, can't we? Yeah, we could, uh, yeah. I think think it's great, you know. uh, I like the fact that maybe the Thunder are a bit stronger than the Hilltops because the Hilltops have dominated for the past forever. You know, six straights, whatever. And the fact that there's some parity now between the two, I think that's great for it. So some people might think, oh, the Hilltops aren't as good as they used to be. Football in the North's not as strong. And now, just, you know, Regina's good too. You know, they're going to have some good players in some good years. But I think it's great up here, man. PA's program's starting to get a little better. Battleford's getting a lot better. It's uh, uh, northern football in Saskatchewan. It's always been strong. I think it's not going to change anytime soon. So uh, uh, what do you think of this back-to-back matchup between the Thunder and the Hilltop? They've, they've seemed to have been able to hold off the Regina Thunder at every turn. Again, I'm a go-tops guy. I used to be the color commentator on the radio for them. Uh, I think the Thunder are going to sweep them. The Tops just, uh, the tops just don't have those elite-level players like they've had in the past, like those Greg Newmans, those Andre Lalons. They just don't have those go-to guys this year on offense. Uh, love Doug Fleming, great quarterback. But I think, uh, like I said before, Trey Reader, this kid out of St. Joe's, I think he's the future of the Hilltops. I think he's going to have like a, an Andrew Chuck-type run there. But I think, that, I think the Thunder sweep on that shoe Chuck kid that plays quarterback for the Thunder. He's something, hey? Yeah, he's, he's good. they got Isaac Ford. They've got a pretty good team there, and they are hungry. Speaking of Saskatoon, up there, the Huskies. You know, you look at uh, the Dinos, and they got to be the favorites because they're the defending champions nationally. But I think the team to beat are the U of S Huskies. They're loaded in every aspect, and if there was one area where they could afford to lose a couple of guys, it is the secondary. Of course, losing Lacombo with that unfortunate injury at Ryder training camp, and then surprisingly, Josh Haggerty ends up with the Argos. They didn't expect him, and even Hags didn't expect to make the Argos. So they have a couple of holes there, but I think they can withstand that. I think the thing about the Husky secondary, man, it's it's like the Patriots. They're always going to be good. They just they just plug and play. They don't rebuild that secondary. There's just always depth at that Husky secondary. Husky O-line, Husky secondary, there's always going to be great players. And it's not just like a new thing. Look back on it, right? Cam Barker, Waldo, you got all these great players that have always played for the Husky secondary. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to watching Adam Macker run the ball again, right? Uh, Mason Knight, who's throwing the ball. Love the way he's kind of changed his delivery, too. He gets rid of the ball so quick now. Uh, I'm an offensive guy, former quarterback, so I'm, I'm going to be focusing on those two guys this do, year. Yeah, do you appreciate the fact that Nias just grabs the ball and throws it? Like, he doesn't even look at the laces. He throws most of his passes without the laces, which is crazy to me. He's like the opposite of Byron Leftwich. You remember him playing for the Jags back in the day? His release was like 17 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Nihis kid, oh, man, he can just – he's like a Romo, man. It's just a quick flick of the wrist that's out of there. And, and in a league where the D-lines keep getting better and better and you don't have that much time to throw the ball, having a quick release is such an underappreciated, undervalued skill a quarterback must have. Hey, man, thanks for this. I really appreciate it. We'll chat soon. 
Can't wait to see what mistakes you edit out in the uh, final copy, bud. <laughs> According to a new poll, the average person hasn't let their hair down and had fun in a number of weeks. Come on, people. It's not that hard. Just try anything from my list of the top ways to have fun without ever leaving your home. Invite someone over who sells weed. Play your toddler and mini sticks. You'll kick his ass. Call up someone who makes you laugh, like your friend who continues to insist the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to the Grey Cup. Another top way to have fun without ever leaving your house. Learn a language, like French, Spanish, or whatever the hell Vin Diesel mumbles. Family. And pull the window shades and dance like nobody's watching. Because (laughs) nobody is watching. Because you have nobody in your life. Sorry, this isn't helping, is it? But we start the second half of Growing the Game with Ballsy by recognizing another title sponsor. It's Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon, headed up by a friend of mine, Kevin Welsh. He's a big supporter of the Riders and this podcast. Saskatoon's only certified roofing business. They specialize in certainty roofing products and offer a true manufacturer's warranty. The best roofers in Saskatoon and surrounding area. Call Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon, 262 Roof. Thanks to Kevin and his family for getting on board. Our third quarter sponsor is Double Z Ag Sales. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, give Corey Zadorozniak a call. 306-842-2406. Each month here at Growing the Game with Ballsy, I like to highlight an indigenous athlete, coach, or builder. And this month, it's Coach Ryan Hall. All right, we're here with my old teammate, Ryan Hall. So it's Halsey and Ballsy. You walked away from, from coaching and teaching in Regina. We've had you on before. You're at the Kakawishtaha Reserve as a teacher slash coach going into your second season. But things are going to look a little different this year out there. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is we're actually going to have a season. Like all the other high school teams in the province last year, there was no uh, football, no any sports. So we're really excited about that. The kids are enthusiastic about, you know, actually being able to practice for something. But, yeah, another thing we did is um, we decided to try and, like, it's our, we have a small school, and it's pretty tough to field a football team. And we've had some players from our neighbors at Ochapoways that have come over in recent years. But I kind of had an idea, like, we've got several um, First Nations communities, like, right side by side here. There's Ochapoways to our, our east, and then right to the west of us is Calasis, and all of us have high schools. But they're all relatively small schools, so it's pretty tough sometimes to field uh, an athletic team. And so I pitched an idea to the three chiefs of the communities, and uh, and I said, what if we, instead of making this the football team, a Kakawishtau team, how about if we made a partnership of the three communities, um, you know, kind of picked a new name, new colors, so that the kids from the other communities didn't feel like they were, oh, we're coming to their team, uh, but more so they thought, hey, this is our team. It's It's all of our team. So, uh, yeah, so we're rebranding ourselves as the Ochapways, Kakawishtahau, Kalasis, Buffaloes, or OKC Buffaloes for short. Nice. So you got jerseys and colors and everything like that? Yeah, yeah, we went with black and yellow. We got some deadly jerseys uh, done by uh, Trademark Designs up in Saskatoon. They're they're pro-look jerseys, which are really, really nice jerseys. So, I mean, the kids are going to love them. Um, Got some brand-new helmets and stuff, so... 
We're going to look good. Hopefully we'll play good, but definitely we'll look good. So, uh, Ryan, uh, how is that bringing three reserves together to make one team? Because let's imagine this, okay? Let's go uh, Campbell, Leboldis, <laughs> Sheldon, just for throw another South End school in there. And how would that work in terms of rivalries and everything like that? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, Michael. And, you know, you and I went to school back in the 80s. And back in the 80s, like, there's no way you would have thought about putting on a Tom Trojan's uniform and going across the street to play for Tom, right? No. Um, there's no way you would have done that. And, and I wouldn't have done that living in rural Saskatchewan, you know, going to the town next door. Uh, but these days are different. You know, there's a lot of things like, um, you know, social media, I think, has really connected kids from other schools and other communities and uh, community sports, you know, like all the stuff that's happened with Regina Minor Football with the Spring League and the football SAS programs, um, you know, like the provincial teams and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's not like when we played where, you know, we didn't know any of those guys from the Hilltops and we just hated them because they were Hilltops when we were Rams. But, uh, you know, now it's different. Now these guys, they they know each other and they play together. So I think that same type of reality uh, will be the same here. Like, I think a lot of the kids know each other and uh, already, you know, just from other sports and just from being community neighbors and stuff like that. So I, I think it'll work. Uh, I think it'll work okay. I'm not too worried about the rivalry thing. We'd be able to put together a pretty good coaching staff amongst the three uh, reservations? Yeah, we're like, we're working on that. You know, that's kind of one of the things you know, one of the calls to action uh, in truth and reconciliation, there's several calls of action that are devoted to sport and how that's part of truth and reconciliation, which I think is great. Um, so I think part of the responsibility lies with the First Nations, and I think most of them are really good about this. They understand sport's important and valuable, to, especially to their youth. And so they want to provide the programs, like not only their traditional uh, you know, sports they've traditionally done well, like, you know, say fastball or volleyball or hockey, those kind of things, but also some of the non-traditional sports that there hasn't been a lot of Indigenous participation in, like football. Yeah. And so kind of how I look at it is is our communities here, uh, the three First Nation communities, are there, you know, they're willing to, to put their money where their mouth is. Uh, they want sport, um, but they also they don't have people with expertise in some of these non-traditional sports for them. And so that's where people like I come in, I think, um, you know, again, as, as part of the calls to action, like it's not just up to the First Nations to take action. It's up to me as a non-Indigenous person to take some action, too, and say, OK, I've got some expertise in this sport. And that's, you know, honestly, that's one of the big reasons I was I was asked to come out here is because there was football here, but they didn't have any football people. And uh, so what I'm trying to do is is bring a little bit of that expertise and, and try and uh, build up some of the, the coaches from the three different schools and, um, and try and, you know, help them learn, like, you know, doing the safe contact training and, and uh, you know, doing a real skills-focused uh, approach to our spring camp back that we had in, in May and June. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just going to be a growing, uh, a growing situation for everybody, for the players and for the coaches. How important is it? for you being a non-indigenous guy a white a, a white man to be in a in a leadership role there and how does that work in terms of level of respect and everything like that yeah that's a great question um you know i guess i i try and approach it in um i in my role here as a teacher and vice principal and a football coach uh in a role of um humility and willingness to learn, you know, because I have a lot that I need to learn about uh, about the culture, about the communities, about traditions and things like that. 
And so I really try and approach those things with respect. And, and that's one of the things I want to do. Like, you know, we have uh, one of our managers on our team is, is one of our um, kind of our cultural liaisons in the school. And, you know, so that's where I want to try and tie a person like him in, you know, to, to use some of the traditional ceremonies, you know, like a smudge or a sweat or things like that. And to say, hey, we can do that as part of our football program, you know, as kind of team building and focus and, you know, all those things that you talk about on any football team, um, just trying to integrate the cultural aspects uh, of the First Nations out here into football. So so obviously I, I'm not going to be leading in those type of things because I'm not an expert. I'm a learner. Um, and so that's where I'll take that role. And then, you know, I think if you if you're willing to be a learner, other people are willing to respect you when you step up to lead in ways that you can lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, so I think that's, um, I think that hopefully the kids in the school have noticed that about me, that, um, you know, that I am willing to learn and I want to learn and, and uh, you know, to, to be a part of their culture. Ryan, uh, so where will you practice? Will you rotate where you practice or are you set up in one area? Yeah, we'll just be practicing at our school. Like, for one thing, it's, we're in the middle, so it's a little bit convenient that way, more convenient. And, you know, the schools are only, um, you know, probably a 12-minute drive apart, so they're not very far apart. So it won't be too tough to get the Ochapways and Calasis kids here. And uh, and then we have the facility, too. Like, we've got a, a field that's set up for football, and, and we've got the team room and stuff like that. Uh, the, other, the other schools have fields as well, but ours is is uh you know maybe a little bit more suited to football what league are you playing in who are you playing how many games are you playing just give us a a rundown there well we're in the six-man league down in southeastern saskatchewan here so uh so we play against a couple of teams north of regina saudi and cupar and ituna uh kind of out in the yorkton area there lemberg uh, is our closest team and then milestone down south of of, uh, regina so we've got a six-team league and uh, so we're playing uh, a six-game regular season and, uh, and then playoffs after that. But we will be probably a 2A classification, and other, the other schools are all 1A, so we probably won't be a part of the playoffs this year. But, um, you know, we're hoping that we can build the program where we can enter the Saskatchewan High School Athletic playoff uh, format, you know, once we get the team to be in a, a more competitive level. Last question for you. Do you have amongst the three reservations, do you have enough players to uh, make a, a quality team, like in terms of not only quality, but quantity, I guess. And if it's not a traditional sport, one of the challenges is besides teaching them the sport, keeping them interested in the sport. Would I be fair to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to answer your first question, yeah, between the three schools, there's definitely enough kids and there's definitely enough athletes. There was lots of interest in calluses, and so I'm really hoping that we'll get a good crew of kids. Keeping them interested. That's something in, oh, a, sp- yeah. in a sport that they're not familiar with. It's one thing to teach them skills, but it's another thing that, well, I don't get it, I'm just going to quit. Or And, and you know, I don't, I'm not even talking race. It's just in general. you got to love this sport. This is a very challenging sport that you can't just be 50-50 and you got to be all in. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's something that... Um, you know, that I've tried to do in recent years, like with my involvement in girls football, you know, it's the same type of thing where right. football's not a traditional, tack, tackle football is not a traditional sport for girls. So trying to get the girls going in that, uh, new Canadians as well. Um, you know, we, we tried to do some things in Regina uh, through the high schools and, and RMF and different things like that to try and get 
some of our new Canadians involved in sports that, that they don't have a background. So, yeah, so I think it's, um, yeah, it's a balance. Like, you have to teach them the skills, but but they, you know, they, they like to compete. They, um, you know, they, they definitely have that uh, competitive nature. And, you know, they, they're not afraid of contact. And so, you know, we have to, you know, give them some of that. But, of course, you know, trying to, uh, to keep things safe as well. You know, we don't want to just have kids running around bashing into each other all day. So, yeah, so it's kind of a balance between those things, I think, of, of teaching the skills, teaching the game, uh, making sure there is that fun of competitiveness and contact that they like and uh yeah just just try and do the best we can managing all those things well they got a good man leading the charge ryan hall and i can't wait to see how it turns out and how you further develop that program because i i've always said this women new canadians and indigenous people that's how you grow the game of football uh, we're, we're struggling to grow it or preserve it that is the way you do it and there are a lot of great uh indigenous athletes i'm sure we can mine a few more great football players in this sport for sure Absolutely, yeah, and I agree with you 100% with those three demographic areas. And, and uh, yeah, if we keep trying to be leaders uh, in those areas in football in Canada, then hopefully that will just help the sport grow. Well, I'll be eagerly watching. Thanks for this, Ryan. Looking forward to having you out sometime, Michael. Thanks for your time. Attention listener, thank goodness football season is back. I was worried I was going to run out of reasons to drink on Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. As we head to the fourth quarter here in Growing the Game with Ballsy, we want to recognize another one of our title sponsors, Regina Sports Performance Center. Their mission is to provide a center of excellence for athletes through the provision of a facility for leading-edge sports training and rehabilitation. They've got a great weight room and cardio facility, 50-yard indoor football field, three-on-three basketball courts, and an indoor soccer facility. Aubrey Stedman is a sports-minded guy that's all about giving back to the sporting scene in Regina and surrounding area. Go check out his facility, 1440 Broadway Avenue. And as we head to the fourth quarter here, we want to remind you our fourth quarter sponsor is Driven Automotive. They have offered superior auto repair services in Regina since 2006. Their customers' total satisfaction is what they deliver. They are driven to create the best car repair event you have ever experienced. And I can speak from experience, they do exactly that. Making his growing the game with ballsy debut is Rams running backs coach Dwayne Mason, who has been excelling in the coaching aspect of the game for over three decades. Hey, what makes Dwayne Mason a good football coach, in your opinion? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, I would say probably uh, my dedication to the game, and and I I care for the players, and I really, uh, from day one when I started coaching, I just wanted to give back to the game that I love. I had a lot of, of good football men who you know, dedicated time and volunteered their time to help me out. And uh, that was sort of where I initially fell into it, Uh, just wanted to give back. And then at some point along the way, I guess I figured out that, you know, I might be half decent at it. Give me one good football man that you alluded to there. Sure, Rick Seaman. What about Rick rubbed off on you? (laughs) Rick was one of my earliest uh, mentors in football. So he was a teacher at Camel Collegiate when I was there and, and when I was about grade eight or nine, I was sort of trying to find my way through that. And, and Rick reached out to me and, and thought I might be a half-decent football player. And I uh, got me involved going out with some minor football teams and things when I was young. And and then uh, Rick went on uh, to the Rams, but he stayed kind of in touch with me the whole time. And, and he was a big reason that I, I did what I did. And uh, another guy that I'd be a little bit remiss without talking about would be 
uh, Don Erickson, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people probably know Don other than that you know he is Colin's older brother. But Don was a football man in Regina in the '80s, and uh, he was one of the guys who got me involved in coaching uh, way back when. And uh, he, he eventually went on to become an RCMP. Uh, officer, and I believe he's stationed in BC right now. That's an awesome story. It's great to give some shout-outs like that. How did the long layoff make you a better coach? Because they say don't waste a crisis, so how did you become a better coach in this long layoff? Yeah, so initially when, when uh, COVID started, we kind of, uh, you know, after the, I guess the initial shock of, of just being shut down, uh, when we sort of said, okay, we need to take care of the players first, uh, try and make sure that, you know, they're all okay, because they're going through a lot of things, and and once we sort of grounded ourselves in that, then we decided uh, we might as well make the most of our time. So, uh, you know, we got on to, there was, for a while, there was just a plethora of coaching clinics uh, that were available online. So if you did a little bit of research, uh, did a little digging, you could find a whole bunch of good stuff to, to kind of go online, do a little extra learning. The RAM coaches in particular took the time to try and develop some some other further leadership tools for our team. Uh, one of our goals was to come out of COVID better than we went into COVID. Uh, you know, and, and believe it or not, I took a little time for myself and go try and get a little better shape. Did that work out for you? It worked out for me not bad. I was feeling pretty good about myself until after COVID broke and I got near Coach Vincent Donaldson and him and I are about the same age and I, I still look like the before picture. <laughs> I'm glad you tried to look after yourself. That's awesome, man. Say, here's a tough question for you. Who's the best player you've ever coached to this point? Uh, it is tough because there was a lot of really, really good players at Campbell Collegiate uh, when I spent some time with them in the 90s. You know, and, and I've been fortunate in a lot of different aspects to coach players uh, who've gone on to different places. Uh, different things. I mean, it's hard to say just one, you know, like there was a kid named Jay Cook. Not a lot of people knew about him at Campbell in the mid-90s. He, he was a pure athlete. He could play uh, defensive back, receiver. He played tailback for us in an emergency one time, scored three touchdowns. Um, he was an unbelievable student and a very talented kid. So he would be one, but I mean, lately you would really, you got to talk about players like Ali Simon. Uh, Noah Picton, Mitch Picton, uh, you know, and in, in the Rams' current iteration, you, you'd be remiss without talking about, you know, Kyle Borsa, Josh Donnelly. Uh, and I'm only talking offensive players. There's been so good defensive players as well. So that, that leads me into my next question. It's almost like we talked before, and honestly, we didn't. Is it a different Kyle Borsa that you're seeing? Kyle, I think uh, he had a lot of things going for him coming out of, uh, right out of high school. Uh, he, he realized a lot of success almost immediately, and then kind of everything was peeled away from him for a little while. And I, I think Kyle, you know, he could have went one of two ways, and Kyle chose, uh, you know, to come back better and stronger and, and with a better mindset, uh, you know, and it's really paid off for him. He trained really hard, and uh, obviously the CFL scouts had a good look at him, and, and he was ultimately drafted, and I think he had a pretty good camp in Winnipeg, and, and I think we're really fortunate to have him back. But is he a better player, do you think? Can you notice a difference coming from that Winnipeg camp, how he approaches the game now since he came back from Winnipeg? Yeah, what I see mainly different there is uh, a little bit more confidence and a way better leader and, and a better guy in the in the you know the running back room when we're watching film and things like that. 
and he's just, like I said, way more confident about everything he does. And, uh, yeah, just his approach to the game. He takes every rep seriously like it's his last rep. And, uh, you know, he's a competitive guy, but I've noticed a little more competitiveness about him. Uh, you know, if he loses a rep in a one-on-one or whatever it is, he takes it personal and he doesn't take anything for granted, I think. You know, sometimes with young players, not that Kyle's necessarily young, but with, with just young athletes in general, uh, you know, I think sometimes they don't take those things serious enough. Any rep could be your last rep. That's a good point. Hey, one guy that stepped in uh, the last time you were on the field in, in lieu of uh, Borsa being gone was Semba Mbisela. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, how he played and maybe how he looks in a, in a kind of a depth role this year. Yeah, Semba's a, a really good little player. Obviously, came out of the boldest. Um, he's fast. He does everything you want to do. He's great in the meeting room. He tries to get better. He asks good questions. Uh, he filled in really well for us. You know, he played well. Uh, I, I'm really happy with Semba. You're right. He's probably in a depth role now. Uh, or some sort of, you know, a sharing time, and he's going to have to figure out some other ways to contribute on the team. Uh, but I like everything Semba does. He's, you know, you can watch him. You can see him maturing kind of right in front of our eyes, and and uh, he's going to battle, and he's going to try and battle for some playing time for sure. Well, I would think you and Coach Mark McConkie would try to get both of those guys on the field at once at some point. Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. <laughs> Without giving too much away. <laughs> now, would I be fair in saying the offensive line might be one of the bigger question marks. And when I say offensive line, I think you've got a pretty solid five. It's depth issues. And we know as you go through a season, even if it's shortened by a couple of games, depth can become a problem. An injury along the lines can derail a season. Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head, probably for every team in Canada and arguably for every team in, in Canada. You know, we don't have the, the kind of overall knowledge of who some of these other teams have. But everybody's gone through the same thing we did where, you know, essentially you've lost some players either due to COVID, due to education, just some guys due to getting older, not wanting to play anymore, whatever it is. People have lost people. And, uh, you know, I think we're in the same boat as everybody else. We have a good core of players at most positions, but we'll talk O-line in specific, where we have a good group of guys that are trying to mesh and, and get all our plays down and learn how to work together and everything else. But... I think we're in the same boat as a lot of teams. If you're to lose, you know, one of those starting five, the next guy better be ready to go. And, and Coach Neal right now is is uh, really kind of challenging those guys to be ready. You know, recognizing that you know number fourteen or whatever, he's he's as valuable as number one or number two. Talk about what I consider the best quarterback room. I think in Can West, if not right there in Canada at the uh, university level, you guys have a great one-two punch, and you've got some other guys waiting in the wings. I think of a Noah Pelshay. Yeah, I think I think uh, all four of the guys in there are doing a super job. Obviously, I'm a big fan of all of them. Um, you know, I'd put those four against anybody in the country as other teams recruited those guys when they were coming out of high school, and they were all four of them were recruited across the country and obviously Sawyer you know he went away he played for Thunder for a couple of years and went away um, played down in Ottawa for a while and came back um, but all four of them worked tremendously hard they're all very very gifted uh, the football IQ and the intelligence level in that room is unbelievable I try and stay out of it um, you know I don't want them to call me out on anything so but they, they do a really good job and, and again with them they're all very very competitive and you know uh, but yeah, you watch them work together, and they're all very supportive, and 
and Coach Frankie Gray is working with them, and he's doing a nice job there too. Bittner's the perfect guy to have in that room because he, he he works hard. He's talented. I, I I know he wants the starting job, but he's a guy that uh, to me he's the perfect one B. And that doesn't mean he's not a 1A, but you know what I mean? He's got that mentality where he can just fit right into the room. He can be there to be the number one, but if he's not the number one, he, I wouldn't say he's okay with being number two, but he's not going to wreck the room, so to speak. So that's exactly right. He wants to play. He wants to contribute. And, and again, I think we're going to try and hopefully find a way for him to, to sort of fit in a little bit and contribute to the team. And he's ready to go if he's called upon. Uh, he literally makes me laugh every day. I kind of go out of my way to be near him and, and get him to say something or whatever. He just does it naturally. And he, for example, we had a big, that night of the big hailstorm and, you know, maybe Twist or whatever was near Regina last week. Uh, we had to go into the gymnasium and, and have a little workout. And so we're running through a few plays and, and one of the offensive linemen, you know, kind of his, his court shoe grabbed a edge or whatever and he, down he went and, Gave the classic basketball charge like the referee call and uh, just dead and I think I was the only guy laughing, but it was pretty funny. He's great, especially on Twitter. Uh, you, you open up in Winnipeg, but September 12th, you play an exhibition game against Alberta. What do you hope to get out of that game? Healthy. No kidding. When you guys play a game like that, like I know you want to butt heads against other competition. Sometimes I wonder if the juice is worth the squeeze. Like, so that's why I asked the question, yeah. It. what do you want? <laughs> play a little bit just because they haven't played for so long you know we've been practicing against each other you can tell that you know the guys are getting a little bit frustrated with each other and we need to hit a different color that's for sure uh so that's that gives a chance but we haven't played you know meaningful football for a couple of years but we need to do that as well and, and let these guys just kind of get out there and roll a little bit and let the quarterbacks make their checks and make their reads and some throws and you know kind of get the running backs a couple touches get the receivers in the game let the old line get going after people a little bit. And, and then, you know, we can come back home, knock on wood, hopefully healthy, and, and just start for Manitoba week one. The old gray beard, I can't wait to see you patrol the sidelines again. It's going to be nice to see Rams football with my eyes instead of archive games. It's been way too long. Thanks for this, Dwayne. For sure, Michael. Thanks. I appreciate you. When you're out with the boys, does this sound like you? Yeah, here's your beer, Tom. Tom. Beer. I can't see it. Where is it? Right here. Huh? Grab it. Where? Tom, it's right in front of you. I can't see it. Oh, come on. It sounds like Tom should be an official CFL official. That's right. We're accepting applications to be down on the field during games for next season. Are you passionate? Offside, Saskatchewan. Can you make things up even though it didn't really happen? Face mask. Saskatchewan. Are you creative? Saskatchewan 45. Super duper holding. <laughs> then it's time for you to be official. A CFL official. Ruining games for as long as we can remember. Send your resume to jobs at AskClownsInTheStripes.com. Someone said football, so I come running. Also accepting resumes for timekeepers. Time count on announcer. 15-yard penalty on Saskatchewan. (laughs) 
Well, we got some more content to get to in this episode of Growing the Game with Ballsy, so we're going overtime. We'll call this the extra point. Just before we get to it, though, I want to thank all the guests, Dwayne Mason, Ryan Hall, Clayton Croker from 96.3 Cruise FM, and of course, Scott McCauley talking about the Thunder big victory over the Saskatoon Hilltops. They have the big rematch at Mosaic Stadium this coming weekend. Also this weekend coming into town is a guy who grew up in Regina, played his university ball with the U of S Huskies, Josh Haggerty. Yeah, he made his first CFL start last week at home for the Boatman against Hamilton. He's coming back here and he has had this game circled on his calendar versus the Riders since the long shot made Toronto's roster. First of all, Hags, what's it like navigating your way in the big city, especially on a CFL salary? Yeah, it's uh, certainly different than anywhere in Saskatchewan. Um, been getting used to these uh, big city. It's definitely a lot different with traffic and just the amount of people down, um, downtown. Uh, I'm currently living right downtown, so it's it's been really busy down here and a lot going on, but uh, I like it so far. Are yeah, you a different change of pace? Are you far from the stadium? Have you been late for something? Have you missed time something because of the traffic? Uh, I'm not too far away from the stadium. I'm only about ten or fifteen minutes, so I usually just hop in an Uber or just bike over to it. So it, it's it's not too bad. Luckily, we're down by the water and stuff, so it's a pretty easy commute. So you probably have to be good with your money. Were you always good with your money, Josh Haggerty? Yeah, I've always been pretty good with my money. Um, I never really like to spend a ton of money on like myself and buying things, so it's pretty easy to just kind of like put it away and just kind of sit on it. Um, once I started to get a few paychecks in, I I did splurge on myself a little bit and bought some new clothes and whatnot, and then and then use some money to invest into some different things. But uh, other than that, I'm just kind of saving it for like the off season and for a rainy day. That's awesome, man. Have uh, mom and dad made most or all of the games? Uh, yeah, they've made a few games. They came out to week one in Calgary, and then they came to our home opener here against uh, Winnipeg. And then my dad and grandparents also made it to the game in Winnipeg. So, yeah, they've been to three out of the four games so far. So, yeah, they've been a huge support, even though it's on the other side of the country. Uh, dad, Jeff, on the phone, giving you the fifth quarter after the games. He must be eager, pretty pumped. Oh, yeah, yeah. We usually uh, chat about the games after and beforehand. So, um yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's all, I love talking football with him and stuff. So it's definitely part of my uh, pregame routine and stuff. They always check in with him and stuff. So that's something I need. Josh Haggerty joining us. Safety for the Toronto Argonauts. Regina kid doing well in the CFL in his rookie year. What was the Labor Day atmosphere at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton like? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That, uh, obviously, it was my first Labor Day game, and so I got to experience it in full effect. And, uh, yeah, they came out firing. The, the crowd is loud. Uh, those guys came out with a lot of energy. That was their first game in Hamilton in over a year, so it was, it was a pretty crazy atmosphere and stuff, and that was the first time I've been in that city, but it was really cool. It was definitely a game that I won't forget. Two more quick questions for Josh Haggerty, outstanding safety uh, in his rookie year with the Toronto Argonauts from Regina. What's the biggest eye-opener for you now that you've played a handful of games so far going from university to the CFL? Um, I just feel like the talent level, um, you know, everyone here is very good. You know, there's not, there's not a big drop off like there is in university where you got your top tier athletes your middle tier and then kind of bottom tier guys. Like anyone can play, you know, on every player on the roster, at least for our team. And I'm sure every other team uh, is a very good football player. And, um, so that, that, that translates into offense, defense, and especially special teams. Cause, uh, you're not going against a couple like young scrubs anymore. You know, everyone's very good, very physical, fast. 
So you just got to always be on your A game all the time and give it 100% because uh, the guy across from me is not going to slouch down. Josh, we talked about this last time you are on the sports cage with me. We discussed the fact that uh, you went there, you thought you'd be sent home early, you made the team, you're probably like you're drinking from a fire hose because you're learning all this stuff and it's all coming at you. Do you feel like you belong now? Have you felt all along like you belong? Was there a moment where like, yeah, I do belong here? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I belong here. Absolutely. Um, you know, I really felt that last game when I got in on defense because at that point I'd mostly just played special teams and stuff and a, and a couple of defensive snaps here and there. But no, last game when I played most of the or the whole second half at safety, and I was able to hold my own and, and my speed was uh, like was up to par with everyone else and I was able to fly around and get in on some plays. But I feel like, hey, I really do belong in this league and I can really make an impact. And, um, yeah, I'm really here to show my stuff. So during during fall camp, that was just kind of a work in progress. You come in as a humble rookie just trying to get better and trying to learn the system. But after a while, you, you realize that you're meant to be here, that uh, you can you can hang with these guys. And it's just football at the end of the day. So Hey, uh, Josh, how excited are you to come home, play a home game in the stadium, you know, where you, you, you played some university football, where you grew up watching the Riders, and now you get to be on the opposition sideline? Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that game. That's going to be super crazy. Um, yeah, that's going to be a real shock to me. From growing up, from watching Ryder games since I was four or five years old, um, to being able to play, line up and play across from them is, is going to be crazy. That uh, that crowd atmosphere, too, is going to be nuts. Um, just going to have to shake the nerves real early and then, and then just play football at that point. It'll be, it'll be a game that I'll remember for sure. Have the ticket requests started already? <laughs> yeah, a few people have already reached out to me for tickets and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we only get two tickets a game, so there's not much I could do there to help people out. Come on, yeah, ha- come want, on, they Hags. Get the, they should get the tickets. <laughs> Hags, are you not begging your American teammates for tickets? Like, are you not trying to work out a deal where you can get two or four, six extra? Come on, Hags. Oh, yeah. No, when that, when next week comes, they'll for sure be doing that and stuff. But, uh for the amount of people that want them, it might be a little too many, but uh, I'll yeah. definitely get some from my closest uh, friends and stuff. I already got lots of family that I got tickets to and stuff, so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure most of my friends probably were already planning on going to the game regardless. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing you come to the game. It's, I'm just bugging you. It's a it's really cool experience to be able to do that and get the like you said when you said that I get to line up against a team I grew up watching. That really hit home for me. Can't wait to see it. Good luck, my friend. Be safe. Awesome. Thank you. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.